Welcome to Beyond the Rig. Today, we're talking to Adam Miller, CFO of Knight Swift Holding Company and president of Swift Transportation. He'll be discussing with us autonomous vehicles, the state of the industry as a whole, as well as where we might see Knight Swift in the future. Let's get trucking. This is Beyond the Rig. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Rig. I'm Linda Dominey, and if you notice, sitting next to me is not Will Phipps. A much better looking version of Will Phipps. <laughs> Who knows where Will's at? That's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> I think Will is on vacation again. He's always on vacation. So next to me is Brett Stabler. Some of you remember him from a prior episode. I've done a few. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, back with me. You did uh, the show, the radio show with us. Did the radio show. I've done a few podcasts. I feel like I get roped into a lot of things. <laughs> the last thing they wanted me to do was Santa Claus. I had to tell them no. I'm upset about that. Okay. Let's move <laughs> on then. You want to welcome our next Yeah, host? well, today we're excited to have Adam <coughs> Miller with us. Adam is the CFO of Knight Swift Trucking or Transportation. He is also the president of Swift and oversees all of our operations over there. In the words of our CEO, Dave Jackson, and I quote him, Adam is wicked smart. So we are pumped to have Adam here <laughs> with us today. <laughs> Welcome, Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, appreciate uh, being here. I think those words are maybe a little more generous <laughs> than they should be. But hey, I'm excited about being here. I've seen, you know, several of the podcasts you've done and hey, look forward to getting into it. So I'm going to tell a story about Adam. <clears throat> so um, I started in, I don't even remember, I think it was like 2015-ish or so. It was in April. And then um, we had a Christmas party in December. And so I got invited to come to the Christmas party and I had very little interaction with Adam, just minimal at the time. But I'm from Texas, and Texas, we're huggers. That's what we do. So mm -hmm. we're leaving for the night, and I, we're, Adam's letting, you know, saying his goodbyes as we're walking out the door, and I realize I'm in mid-hug with the CFO, and I realize what I'm doing. <laughs> and so now my, my head is near his ear, and I'm like, I know it's awkward. Just go with it. I'm a hugger. <laughs> right into his ear, huh? Yeah, it's fine. I don't mind a hug. It's and good. Adam, you were one of these? Okay. And I was like, okay. I'm like, <laughs> but I'm a easy, hugger. Easy, easy. Walks no. outside and explains to his wife, I have no idea who that was. She must be new. Let's just keep walking. Just keep going. Pretend like that didn't happen. But yeah, then when I got outside, I, I said to my husband, I can't believe I just did that. But I don't know how not to do that. It's just a natural I, thing. I actually remember that, but it didn't didn't feel awkward. No? No. Well, I remember saying, natural. I know. Yeah. I remember saying, I know it's awkward. Just go with it. I'm a hugger. <laughs> So, but today we're going to, I just had to share that because I it's thought a great that was story. pretty funny. I always think about that when I'm hugging somebody else because I know that you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, today we're going to talk to Adam about, you went on a ride along, which I'm super excited to get into. I can't wait to hear how that experience went um, with you and the driver. We're also going to talk about something that's on everybody's mind. As a matter of fact, I just had a driver in my office yesterday talking about autonomous trucks. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anybody that that's not on their minds. That's a huge topic right now. Yeah, for sure. And then, of course, the future of Night Swift. Sure. All right. You ready? Where do you want to start? Let's dig into it. 
I say we start and we just get to know Adam Miller. Sure. So tell us, where did you, how did you start here with us in the beginning? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Kind of lived in kind of quite a few of the little towns around Phoenix, uh, but native here, second generation. Not not too many second generation uh, folks in in Phoenix. So um, went to Arizona State University. Go Devils. Go Devils, yeah. Hoping we can pull together a win here in our our bowl game coming up in Vegas. Yeah. Going against Wisconsin. Be a good, it would I'm, be a I'm good win. Keeping expectations low. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep them very low if you're right. an ASU fan. Right, right. Um, and so I graduated with an accounting degree. And not that I necessarily wanted to be an accountant. I just felt like, you know, I was in business school, and that was one of the, the degrees that was a little more challenging to get, and I think maybe opened up more doors for you coming out of school. And I was looking to get on with maybe some of the large accounting firms. Mm-hmm. But it was actually – the year I graduated was the year that Enron went mm. bankrupt and Arthur Anderson, the audit firm, collapsed as a result of that. Right. And so the market was filled with accountants looking for jobs, right? <laughs> and so me working at a, an audit firm uh, wasn't in the cards at that time. So started from just kind of square one and said, hey, let's look at the newspaper. Yeah, we still looked in the newspaper then for jobs <laughs> 20 years ago and – and, uh, you know, had a few interviews, didn't have any luck, and found Night Transportation, a newspaper. And it was a job uh, collecting on our receivables. So working with our customers, ensure sure we're getting paid for the services that we provide. Had an interview uh, done at Buckeye Facility, and they hired me, the, I think, the <coughs> next day. So didn't know. I figured I would just get in with what I thought was a good company and see where it took me, right? Didn't feel like, didn't think I'd be here 20 years later, right? in the role that I'm in today, but um, it's been a wonderful experience. It was a company that was rapidly growing, Mm -hmm. um, and you had leadership that uh, was willing to take bets on on people, right? Right. Despite their tenure, despite their age, they were willing to put people that they thought were high caliber into roles and opportunities that they thought they could excel in. And so I had uh, a lot of opportunities to work in different departments, so like I said, I started in receivables, and then I went into accounting. Realized accounting was a little less activity than in <laughs> receivables, <laughs> and you didn't talk to as many people. So yeah, that was okay for a while, and, and, and I liked doing it. Um, but about a year into it, I got tapped on the shoulder. This was by Dave Jackson, who was a CFO at the time. He said, hey, do you want to run our payroll department? And I'd never spent one day in payroll. Didn't know really much about it, <laughs> but figured, yeah, why not, right? And so... I uh, I got to work with our payroll department and kind of streamline processes, but more importantly, got to work with all of our drivers, mm-hmm. right? Like the office side of it was, you know, it was pretty straightforward, but working with driver pay, I mean, that, that never stopped, right? And I think every day, every phone call was really an opportunity to solve a problem, to really help one of our drivers who just needed further explanation or needed, you know, to solve an issue, that mm-hmm. that uh, he or her had on their on their pay their payroll, which obviously is is extremely important to them, and this is when again we were still in the Buckeye terminal, and so drivers would come in, we were right there next to operations, so a lot mm-hmm. of our activity was done face to face. Awesome. I think that was even better. So mm-hmm. that was one of the best experiences. You got to learn a lot about the company. You learned about everything that can go wrong with the load, which typically would impact either receivables collecting from a cup from a customer or a driver's payroll, 
Right. And so for me to be able to help improve processes, put things in place that helped alleviate some of those problems, alleviate some of the stresses was, was one of the most rewarding positions I've had at, yeah. the, at the organization. And then uh, following my stint in payroll, I was a controller for a subsidiary that we had called Night Refrigerated that we started, I think, in 2004, I remember. We had, a, we had an acquisition of a, of a trucking company up in Idaho Falls called Morgan Edwards. And so we needed to kind of build an accounting group around that. So I had an opportunity to do that and, and uh, was in that position for, I think, like five or six years. And then uh, one day, Kevin Knight came in and said he wanted to make some changes in the organization. And part of that change was he wanted Dave Jackson to move on to be the president of the company. And so they needed a new CFO, and they were crazy enough to give me that opportunity. <laughs> I think I was officially became the CFO in 2012. I was probably on tryouts for the first year so to, to make sure I didn't screw too much up. And, uh, and so, you know, been, been, you know, in that function, you know, since yeah. then, but, uh, one thing that changed was when we merged with Swift. Right. And so that, that really, you know, was a, uh, significant, uh, change to our business. Right. Right. Cause you had Swift that was four times the size of night and you had leadership that was exiting at the Swift business. And so Kevin Knight was going to play a big role early on. Right in the integration, and he asked if I would go with him, along with Kevin Quast, and then, uh, you know, a handful of other leaders. And so I retained my title as the CFO of the holding company, Knight Swift Transportation, still have that today, but got very involved in the Swift business and very involved with okay. trying to drive improve it, improvements, performance, uh, working closely with the team there. And yeah. uh, as of last year, uh, I became the president of Swift, so I have a responsibility for that, but still work very closely with all of our different brands. Um, when we make acquisitions, very involved with helping integration and to ensure that we keep the culture intact, we keep brands intact, but we leverage what uh, value we can bring, you know, being part of a larger organization. Right. That's awesome. Quick question just to kind of piggyback off that. So early on, when you guys would acquire companies, you would kind of meld them in to to the culture of night, and they would be called night, and they would become night over time. And now lately, when we or see you have these acquisitions, we don't do that anymore. They they stay their separate entities. So what what thought process went into that? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. yeah so our strategy, you're <clears throat> you're right. From the early two thousands, was hey you. You buy a, a smaller company, and you kind of turn it into a night terminal, right? And you, you know, you build efficiencies around them. You, you take over some of the processes that they have from a back office standpoint, mm -hmm. put them into your market. If that worked okay, I mean, I, I think we probably lost some employees that we wish we would have kept mm -hmm. through that process, both non-drivers and drivers. And so what changed was we bought a company called Bar None in 2014, and they had a very strong culture and they had a great leadership team that wasn't ownership. So they were staying on and really wanted to continue to run the, the company. And that's when we changed our strategy. We felt like, hey, we have a great team here. Let's not disrupt it. Let's just see what we can do behind the scenes to help them. Let's let them keep their brand. Let's keep the leadership in place, support them any way we can and see how that works instead. Right. And it's worked phenomenally. Like if you go into the bar none 
building, you wouldn't see a Knight logo, a Swift logo. You wouldn't see any. You would just know it's bar none, and the leadership is intact there. But we work very closely together. We leverage synergy <laughs> opportunities, market opportunities, you know, IT infrastructure. There's a lot of things that we do to help them. But for customer-facing, for driver-facing, it's independent, and they have performed incredibly. And so we thought this is maybe a, the, the, a better way to approach acquisitions or mergers. And so that's the tactic we've used um, on, on a go-forward basis. And I think it's, it's important because there's a lot of trucking companies, transportation companies, that still have a, a very strong founder presence. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these founders want their people to have opportunities. Mm -hmm. They want the legacy to continue. That's very important for them. Versus just who's going to write me the biggest check right. for the company. And so this approach has allowed us to probably acquire companies that we otherwise would not have been able to yeah. if they felt they were just going to be folded in to, a, to a, a larger brand, a larger company, and their people would, you know, wouldn't have opportunities to continue to develop the, you know, the legacy that, that they started. Right. And, and, hey, that is very different. It's harder to execute, <laughs> but I believe is a competitive advantage for us. And so, yeah, so we'll continue to do that on, on the companies that we purchase. Yeah. Very cool. That's a great question. Well, Hey, um, I would like to get back to the merger. Like, I mean that, how exciting was that? I remember, you know, when it, when it first started, right. It was, it was, yeah. it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of interesting things going on, especially considering that you had Knight who was once in Swift, who then were no longer in Swift and now they're back with Swift. Um, but now together. So um, tell us what it's like to be a part of that. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, there, there, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it, it was a wild time, right? And so I remember the, the day that we actually agreed on terms, you know, we had uh, Gary Knight, one of our founders and our vice chairman who came into my office and said, hey, we're, we're going to get this thing done. I think we're at terms. So, hey, we got to make sure we're ready to, to move forward. And then 45 minutes later came in and said, it's off. We're not doing it. Just get back to just focus on night. Don't even worry about it. Just take it out of your mind, right? Okay. And then 30 minutes later, he came in and says, all right, deal's done. All right, we're ready to go. So, I mean, that's how fluid the situation was. You can imagine the emotions of, okay, it's going to change pretty dramatically, you know, what you know what what my life is going to be like, right? And, yeah. and so, um, you know, it was very stressful, and it's stressful at work, stressful at home. Um, you know, I was I was going to change where I was working. I was leaving, um, not permanently, but I was my office was going to move, and I was leaving a place I was very comfortable with. I worked at night at that point fifteen years, and knew everybody, and were closely with everybody, and and really had um, great friends. Yeah. And then I was going to a company that had been our competitor <laughs> for years, and. They didn't know how I was going to be received. Right. Right. And I remember the first day I was there and I had a, a little line of people ready to resign the day we closed. And it was, you know, stressful. And, and hey, a lot of those people left that weren't going to be on board with some of the things we were, we were trying to, to accomplish. So it, it, was, it was the best at that point. Um, but gosh, I'll tell you, the people there that are still there were so welcoming. We're so open-minded and you know my one of my goals was just to come in there and just build relationships build right. some goodwill because I knew there was going to be hard decisions that were going to have to be made 
down the road and you wanted people to realize that you were doing what we thought was in the best interest of the company, not with a personal agenda, but they were going to be involved and they were going to have say in how we direct the company. Right. Um, but, it, but it was, it was going to be different than what they were accustomed to. And it couldn't have gone any better. Not to say there weren't bumps along the way, challenges <laughs> along the way, certainly. But, hey, there always is, right, no matter what, no matter what you're dealing with. Um, but it's been probably one of the most rewarding things I've, I've gone through, and it's great to see the SWIFT team see great success, right? And, and it's also great to see some of these leaderships connect with our other brands, right? right? And, and, hey, we could be unique, but we can also be connected, Yep. Right. And it's great to keep that brand identity. Right. You know, we can take different approaches to different topics, to different issues, and we can learn from each other. But at the same point, same point in time, we're, we're part of KNX. We're part of Night Swift Transportation, yep. and we all want to be successful. It's great that you have some competition, too. And, <laughs> and hey, there's times where one's doing better than the other, and we learn from it. Right. right. And then, hey, then, you know, you you see one step above the other and hey then now you got to figure out you know what they've done and how you react to that so so that's that's been great and and um you know it's it's one of those things you just never knew how it was going to play out but sure. ultimately it 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 landed really well and I'm I'm excited to continue to be with 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 Swift working with them but also working with the the entire Night Swift team and all the different brands that we work with and the recent acquisitions we've had with some of the LTL yeah. providers uh, AAA Cooper Back in July, and then uh, Midwest Motor Express just recently here, yeah. and you know, working with them on building out how synergies can work, how you can, can connect teams, taking a playbook that we used in the Night Swift merger and applying it to other companies, and seeing success from that as well. Awesome. It's one of those things where it doesn't, you know, some of these playbooks. It doesn't matter if it's trucking company; it could be a pizza parlor, right? It's going to work no matter what because it's about people doing the right thing, connecting, getting input. And, and working together t- towards a common goal. Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, in fact, I remember, I remember when that acquisition was taking place or that merger with, with Swift, we got called in. I don't know if you were there or not, Linda, you may have been, but we got called in like on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yep. I was there. And uh, there was a, a group of us. We're sitting down, and, and Kevin Knight comes in and, and starts to explain what was going on and how this was looking. And, and I remember him talking. I remember thinking first, well, my goodness, there's been, uh, we know the history of the Knights working with, with Swift over the years and then some of that little bad blood and maybe some of it still might have existed in, in certain cases. And I remember thinking, well, this ought to be interesting. And then, <laughs> and then Kevin started talking about the potential down the road of, of what this can do for our company as a whole if it's done right and if it's successful. And we've seen just this past year what we've been able to do with... Yeah. To Adam's point, the acquisition of AAA Cooper and, and some of these others that we probably wouldn't have been able to do without it, without right. Swift. Yeah, th- there's no doubt. I think having Swift part of KNX is a huge deal for us, right? right? It's been transformational, and it brings us a lot of scale. And to take that scale and to drive margins that have been similar to what we've how we've performed at night generates a tremendous amount of cash flow, right? right? And really yeah. free cash flow. Yeah. Where you have once you've paid all your bills, paid your your capital expenditures, you've got excess cash, and it's allowed us to invest in several companies. Right, really, since the the merger with Swift, we bought Abilene Motor Express, we bought Hayes, which is a warehouse company, we've bought a small school up in Syracuse, New York, we've 
bought you know AAA. We bought Elios, Elios a the technology, technology company. Yeah. We bought UTXL, a logistics company. Then re- then recently MME or Midwest Motor Express. Well, it's like we wouldn't have been able to do that yeah. if we were just night because we wouldn't have, have had the balance sheet, the the cash flow right. to be able to uh, the buying power. To, that goes yeah, yeah, to that. be able yeah. to afford to do that, and so yeah, that has opened up a tremendous amount of doors for us. And then just the scale it's brought from even having sixty thousand trailers. Yeah, you know, and and th- there's huge advantages to having trailers in the market today. That's probably that's the most valuable asset right now in our space, and. We leverage that for what we can do for our customers. We're leveraging it to grow our logistics business, where we're 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 using our our trailers, a night or a swift trailer, and right. buying third party capacity. So our customers have the benefit of drop and hook freight versus, you know, the live load, live unload freight you get from a traditional broker. So it right. allows us to differentiate ourselves. That's fantastic. Well, I know you were born and raised here. Went to ASU, which I love ASU. I was a native as well. Not a second generation, but a native. You've been in touch with, you've met a lot of people over the years, whether it's at ASU, growing up, um, even in your current workings with, with Knight Swift. Tell our listeners who, who along the way in Adam Miller's life was most influ- influential for you in, in developing who you've become as, as an adult, as a leader, and, and then second part of that question is how do you utilize that now to influence others yeah it's a great question right there's there's so many people to to pick from i think you know just up from a personal level obviously my parents were very influential um my mom was always one that you know worked really hard she was a nurse and worked nights and weekends when we were little my parents were separated when i was young and so um you know she was making it on her own um, and, you know, taught us just what, what hard work was about, but also about doing the right thing, right, about being a good person. And, and my, my father, I spent a lot of time with him as well, and, and he always uh, was a very competitive person, right, kind of drove like, hey, you, you've got to do your very best, right, and, and you want to win at what you're trying to accomplish, right? So trying melding those together to, to make sure that you're aggressive, you're competitive, but you, but you do it the right way, right? Right. You work hard, you don't cut corners and, and you make sure you're a good person along the way. And, and then professionally, I mean, certainly Kevin Knight plays a big role in, in really anyone who worked here, certainly um, in the, in the earlier years, um, he was gosh involved in everything, right. Had just intensity. That was unbelievable. I remember mm-hmm. when I first became the CFO, we didn't have the best month. <laughs> and I remember how intense he was about the financial performance and what we needed to do to, to improve it. And it was all about accountability. And I just remember him just kind of giving me the business a little bit and just thinking to myself, how does my face look right now? Like, <laughs> like where do I put my hands? <laughs> remember looking at me like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just taking it right now, soaking it, taking it all in, right? <laughs> and then, and then, hey, Dave, Dave Jackson was, hey, was along for the ride, right? He took the brunt even earlier than than I did, and so he, he's been very involved with with my development and success, and and um, and, and many others. But uh, again, it's just been great people here at uh, at both night and even at Swift now, like learning from people oh. along the way of of, you know, how you, how you adapt to your environment and, and, and the fact that you've always got to be looking to strive to be better. 
and it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them right. adjust quickly sure right and and so uh you know those be a few folks i'd call out that's great well we got a fun a couple of fun questions too that we want to ask okay so let's see um if you can tell the listeners um, what are some of your favorite apps on your phone and what are you watching on netflix so apps, well, my wife would say my email app, <laughs> right? Because probably on that more than I should be when I'm at home. I'd say an app that gets kind of used up quite a bit would be my fantasy football app. Oh, yeah. oh, there you go. And oh, it's yeah. probably more for my son who's critiquing all the moves I've made along the way. And oh, on that's... Sunday, after every play, let me look at your phone and let yeah. me see, did you get any points? <laughs> Why did you start this person? Why don't you pick up this person? <laughs> you know, he, he's only eight, but he has gotten into it quite a bit. So that's when awesome. I look at my, you know, you get that, that message every week, tells you your screen time. I'm like, oh my gosh, how much screen time do we have? <laughs> I look at it, it's pretty heavy on a Sunday. <laughs> and so I think that, that's probably one that gets a lot of use, especially during football season. Oh, okay. for sure. And what are you watching? Well, so the shows, they may not be on Netflix. I just assume kind of what you're, you're streaming. So um, a, so, uh, a show called Secession. It's oh. on HBO. I don't know that one. And it's a show that, I think it's got like three seasons now. It's about a large public company that is really dominated by a family. And, a, and you know, the, the father is kind of near the twilight of his career. And he's, he's, was giving it to his sons to take over. Then he took it back, and there's this power struggle uh, of uh, who's going to run the company, and you've got all the kids infighting to try to position themselves for power. So some of the stuff I watched firsthand, you know, with this, <laughs> with the, you know, the Swift merger, right? So yeah. I can relate to it, but it's actually been one that my wife's gotten into quite a bit as well. So yeah. I would check that one out if you haven't. Um, I'd say another one would be Yellowstone. Oh yeah, that's, that's a good a, one. That, that's a good one, right? It's yeah. kind of. Gangster Cowboys. <laughs> you know? I watched that That's one. That's how I describe it to someone who wasn't sure. I didn't know Kevin Co- Costner could be a, a boss like that. But, <laughs> but there but, he is, but killing that, yeah. it. A mafia cowboy. What's that? A mafia cowboy. I know. Yeah, have you not seen it? Yeah. It's oh, a good show. No, it's, so, that, so that, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's one that we watch quite a bit. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We, there's a new Dexter. Oh, yeah. That's come out, I think, on Showtime. So we've, we've, we've just started that. And uh, The Morning Show. On uh, Apple TV. I don't know that one at check, all. Check that one out. That was one of their kind of first shows that they came out with. I think I'm on the second or third season. So that, okay. that's cool. been a good one as well. So I learned two. There you go. Two that I got. Add it to the, add add it to it to the list. list. Yeah. Mark it down. You got a lot of yep. free time, Linda. You can <laughs> oh, yeah, just, just tons. Yeah. I don't have that kind of time. We got too many kids. But Well, I don't know if that's the case because we discussed this prior and we're going to go ahead and run right into this. Oh, you, you, you're going to talk about my ride along? Uh-huh. Even though we're here to talk about Adam's ride-along. Yeah, so we're going to talk about time. So I know I personally went on a, a few ride-alongs, um, but they were never more than one day. How many How many did you go? You went on one just I, recently. I, yeah, I just went on one recently, and it was it was overnight. It was overnight, yeah. and tell us, Stabler. Yes, I would love for all of our listeners to hear. So my ride-along was, was roughly seven days. It almost turned mm-hmm. into ten who has more before time? Before I had to get involved. Now, <laughs> before we get into Adams, I'm going to preface this by saying this. We went on mine very unscripted. Nobody knew. I just wanted to see exactly what these guys went through. And I felt like a milk go. run overnight to California Here or we Vegas go. Here was something we go. that, you know, 
the average company person would want to do a real quick and easy. Hey, make sure we got to load there and back. I don't want anything going wrong. And so I figured, hey, if we're really going to get to know what, what our driving associates go through, we need somebody to experience it. So I did take time off uh, seven days to, to do a ride along from Phoenix to Pensacola. And I had a notebook filled with notes. And there was some very frustrating things along the way. But let's go ahead and, and talk to Adam about his milk run to well, hey, California. No, I, I, can, I, can, I can appreciate that, though. That, no, that, that's, a, that's a commitment to it. but um, For sure. Yeah, so, so I did the milk run, as Brett would say, to <laughs> Vegas, right? But um, had a great driver. It was a driver who was with us in the, at, at Swift in the early 90s and then went oh. off and did, you know, he had another career and decided to come back to trucking. Oh, that's awesome. He, he, he wanted to, so he'd been with us about a year at that time and was a was a mentor for us. Okay. Um, great guy named Lonnie. And, uh, you know, we had good experience. Like, I learned quite a bit. I had a page full of notes of yep. just challenges. And one's just connecting to our equipment and how do you communicate back, which trailer you're you're picking up and dropping at the, at the location. We had to red tag a trailer because we had the reefer unit that wasn't yep. working and... And then, you know, I remember coming in, we went to Costco up in Vegas and we arrived at like 6 p.m. And the parking lot was just packed. <laughs> just, I mean, the line for fuel was forever and there's just cars swarming everywhere. And so we're trying to park because we're going to sleep in the back of Costco overnight because our load didn't deliver till about four in the morning. So I couldn't believe how... He was able to navigate, and there was already two Swift trucks parked back there. Oh boy! That were positioned to to sleep overnight as well. So he like parallel parked this thing at the back of a Costco where there's all these pallets in the way. I mean, it was unbelievable. I couldn't even I couldn't have done it with my car. I don't think <laughs> right. And and then we walked to go get something to eat and came back and 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 slept in the truck. And you know there's you know a lot of noise, right? Yeah. And. Uh, it, you know, we, we had the reefer unit there, so you can hear the rumbling throughout the night and, uh, but you know what it, I, I slept better than I thought. Yeah. I think the mattress that we have is very comfortable. That, that was much better than I, than I was anticipating better than camping, but that way, <laughs> um, which we know you don't care for. Yeah. So no, that's a good thing. Yes. Yeah. I did that. That was my, my dad called vacation when we were younger. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe I should do that for our kids, but uh, I think sleeping on rocks and going to pick up sticks and try to burn them. I don't call that vacation, but um, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so we delivered at kind of four in the morning and Hey, the, the folks there at Costco were great. I mean, they allowed us to use the amenities. Oh, that's good. Um, I can't imagine if they didn't. I mean, that's a tough place. You're stuck yeah. in a parking lot. If you don't have a restaurant, I don't know what you do. Where do you I, go? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was a real issue. And I was, I was glad they were accommodating there. And then we uh, headed off at four in the morning, got something to eat at a casino along the way that allowed for truck parking, and then we showered at a at a truck stop as a pilot. And you know the showers were much better than I thought. Yeah, I yeah. felt the same way. Yeah, they I've were, had worse showers yeah. in hotels. Yes, <laughs> they were incredibly yeah. clean, and yeah. they smelled like bleach. It was really nice. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. Yeah, and then we were we were on our way back. So, but no, it was it was great. I saw some of the challenges with. You know, maybe how we have our uh, equipment spec in terms of the power we have going up grades, and so yeah. there's a lot of things that we're working on to maybe improve that for for our drivers, and then the the uh, technology inside the cab. I think there's some room for improvement, improvement. there yeah. and just creating better workflow. Um, 
So, so it was a great experience. How was the communication on the truck with, with your driving associate and with Lonnie? And, and well, I think for, for one, his driver leader was fantastic. Well, that's right. Good. And so he worked really well with her and, and Lonnie's a guy who's kind of easy going. He's low maintenance. I looked at his safety score. It's like a zero. I'm like, are you sure? Is this thing even turned on? And he's, you know, never has any issues. Um, earns every bonus every, every month. So he does, a, he does a great job. Um, I think, you know, we have some things to work on. I think navigation was one, one. that, that there's, you know, some room to improve upon. And I know, uh, the folks that we work with on the in cab device are working diligently yep. on that. I think yep. that we were making some improvements kind of every week yep. along the way. And so I think that was maybe one of the frustration points mm -hmm. that where they just kind of defer to using their phone. If, yeah. if the navigation isn't yeah. as interactive or dynamic as, as they'd like it to be. So for sure. Oh. That's awesome. I love, I know I loved going online. So. Yeah, we didn't film it because I couldn't compete with Linda, who's got like what 17 million views on hers now. Like, a, yeah, I don't know how. I, I think Linda paid somebody to actually like promote her video. Look at me. She's everybody. paying for clicks, like, yeah, a, you I, know, on the Google. Yeah. Yeah. Paying for viewers yep. and whatever. That's funny. No, I am not. I am not. They just genuinely like me. Well, Todd, well. <laughs> There's a lot of places I could have gone with that, but I'm going to stop. Yeah. Yes, they, please they do. do. They do like please you. Please do. <laughs> they do. I, I think that they all think you're wonderful, and as we do. So thank you, Linda, for being so Oh, great. here we go. Anyway, um, <clears throat> talk, talk to our audience a little bit about automated trucks, autonomous, where we're headed, electric yeah. trucks, yeah. what that looks like in the industry. There ever be a drive a driver yeah, our, our, our drivers at risk for losing jobs because these trucks can drive themselves. Yeah, the answer is no. <laughs> so, I've been on several rides in autonomous trucks, and you know the technology is great, yeah. right? And it works really great when you're on a highway, cruising at you know 65 miles an hour with not a lot of distraction or issues to deal with, right? Right. I think the equipment the technology has probably solved 95% of what you're going to encounter, again, on a highway. Yeah. Right? Which, when you talk to drivers, is the easiest part of the job. Not saying really right. any part of the job is the easiest, but that's when there's no, right. low stress, yeah. right? And so I think the technology will allow for the equipment to take over and probably perform most of the mundane tasks that you have, similar to a pilot, when, you know, a, you know, a plane uh -huh. is just kind of cruising at, at altitude. Um and so I think there's a lot of room for that technology to improve the driving job and to make it safer for our drivers. Yeah. Because it can view, you know, several hundred, sometimes thousand yards ahead and can make adjustments, you know, if they see things in the road. Challenge is that to try to get to the next 5% is very difficult, very expensive, maybe impossible, right? And so yeah. that's, that's the issue with the technology in terms of taking <clears throat> a driver out of the truck. Now... What the technology doesn't address is backing, which, last I checked, is pretty important uh, probably in the transportation. Most important part. Our drivers have gone, you know, have backed probably more miles than I've gone forward in my car, right? <laughs> right. And so that's where the skill comes in, right? Mm -hmm. And and the technology is not there to maneuver through, you know, congested cities, which is where all the stress is yeah. for drivers, and right. again, where all the skill is, right? So there's a long ways to go for that technology to develop. But do I feel like 
we can utilize that technology in our trucks in the future. Yeah, but not to take the driver out, but to improve the jobs yeah. for, for our drivers. And then on, on electric trucks, I mean, we, we're investing in them, but they're still they're not applicable to a lot of what we do. The range is very short, right, where you may have a truck that may do 100 to 150 miles a day. And we know that our length of haul is much longer than that, and our drivers drive much longer than that. Yeah. Right. Um, the weight, it adds a lot of weight to the truck. And so it burns the batteries well, it creates an issue with how much freight you can haul because of the, right. the weight. And the cost is still really high. Really high. And, it, and so it wouldn't pencil out from a return standpoint. But that technology will get better over time. And so we'll be on the forefront of that. I mean, being given the scale that we have, we can we're partnering with different OEMs, and we'll, we'll, we're investing in a few electric trucks in Southern Cal uh, this cool. coming year. Again, they wouldn't probably work <clears throat> economically today, but we're going to learn from the technology. And yeah. You have certain states that offer grants, like California, but others others don't. But um, no, that technology will develop, <clears throat> and and I think ultimately will lead to a cleaner truck one that uh, could be eventually zero emissions, but it's going to take time to get there. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, I just had a driver in my office um, yesterday talking about just this thing. And, um, and my, my, <clears throat> my statement to him was, um, do you fly? And he's like, yeah. So you fly commercial? He goes, yeah. And I said, and how many times you got on a plane where there's no pilot? You go on a commercial plane, not only is there one, but there's two. So how many have you flown in without a pilot? And he's like, none. But they have autopilot. They don't need the pilot. So why do they bring the pilot? And he's like, I get it. I get it. And I said, yeah, so just think of that in trucking. You're still going to need that driver mm -hmm. to help make those maneuvers that the technology can't do. So he felt a little bit more comfortable, but he was pretty... Um, He's pretty stressed out. Yeah, I get that. I mean, you see all the news. You see, you know, the headlines about pulling drivers out. But, again, I've seen the technology. We, we, we have a partnership with one of the technology providers today that's working on it, and we're helping kind of steer how, how this can apply to our space and how you'd roll it out. But, again, we're going to need drivers. They're yeah. going to be critical. Oh, but, yeah. again, I get the technology can help improve the job for our drivers. Right. Yeah, I agree. Right. All right, so tell us, um, what are some common misconceptions in the transportation in industry? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the common misconceptions uh, is that we're just a bunch of truckers who don't know how to use technology <laughs> and that you're going to have these tech startups that are going to come in and Uberize trucking, <laughs> right? That's yeah. what you all hear. And, and Hey, you got some out there, you know, stating that they're working on doing it or trying to do it. And so I think what, what many miss is when you think of, of what Uber did to the taxi cab industry, okay. Uh, they disrupted it, no doubt. And they've got an application that makes it very convenient, yep. but the way they disrupted it was by bringing what feels like an endless amount of capacity to the taxi industry space. Because how many people have vehicles they don't use all the time? Yeah, Almost everybody, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So almost anybody could be an Uber driver if they wanted to. If they wanted the ability, the flexibility to make some extra money. Right. right? And so that's, that's why you saw costs drive down. And they created a nice, a great app that connects 
you know, a, a, a someone, you know, a, a rider versus and yeah. with a, uh, you know, Uber driver, and they made that seamless. And so I think there's people who feel like, oh, this applies to trucking. The one misconception is they're not bringing any trucks. They're not bringing any drivers, right? No trailers. And there's not too many people who have a Class 8 truck sitting in their driveway going, <laughs> I wonder what I'm going to do with this today. Right. right. And so that's the difference. And, and in our space, it's made up of large shippers and a very fragmented amount of trucking companies, right? Very small trucking companies. I think more than 50% of capacity is made up of trucking companies with less than 50 trucks. So there's always been brokers in our space that are connecting large shippers with small carriers, right? Mm-hmm. right. I don't know if it was manual yep. way back, you know, SCH Robinson been doing it for a hundred years. But in the mid nineties, you had, you know, internet truck stop that connected on the internet. Yes. Truckers know how to use the internet and we've been doing it for a while. <laughs> we have computers too with, you know, matching up where brokers post loads, they match up shippers with, with carriers. And so we've been doing this for a long time. And so You've had these transport, these technology companies come in and say they're going to go fix our industry, and some have really scaled revenue, but they've done it in a way by just lowering the price, but not even close to profitability, and and not a sustainable business model. Yeah. Right. And and so I think that's I think long term I think I don't see those businesses lasting in our in our industry, sure. but I think that's one of the frustrating things you hear is that these companies are going to come in and apply the Uber model to transportation, to trucking. I, lo- I love that you said these technology, these tech companies <laughs> trying to save the day. Right. Because they got technology. Uh, yeah. they, At the end of the day, they, they, you bring value to shippers by having a yep. truck, having a driver, and having trailers available. And again, that's where we bring 60,000 trailers. That's a huge deal. Yeah. There's so much value we provide to our customers. Because, yeah, we have a logistics company that's making those connections. And we have a platform that we've developed to connect carriers and shippers. Or carriers, yeah, and shippers. You want that. You need that. You need to make that right. that transaction as seamless or frictionless as possible. So some of these tech companies have helped develop that and have kind of cleared a pathway for that. But you have to have access to the capacity to really make it work. Yep, yep. All right, Adam, I think our listeners would be interested to know um, what's the current state of uh, the trucking industry? That's a great question. Um, probably at the most unique time we've maybe ever been in, in in our industry. You know, when you think about how we got to this point, um, you can't turn on the news without talking about, you know, backlog at supply chain. I yeah. think it's in every earnings release you see from companies about, you know, blaming inflation on the, you know, supply chain issues or a lack of sales. Uh, you know, when the pandemic hit in early 2020, you know, our, you know, our industry was in a tough spot already and we'd seen capacity coming out because rates were relatively depressed because we probably oversupplied the industry in eight, in 2018. And so there was a lot of pressure on capacity because rates weren't nearly as strong. And then when the pandemic hits and then we stimulate the economy, you saw a pretty significant shift of consumer dollars that would have been spent on maybe leisure or travel shift to goods. Mm-hmm. And because capacity was already constrained and now you saw this demand ramp up, we, we overwhelmed the supply chain. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't catch up. 
And, and when, you know, stores started opening back up, because I know for a period of time was kind of scary. You had stores shutting down, and we saw volumes fall off dramatically, and a lot of truckers left the industry because of that. And then it came back on in probably June and July. Uh, we've been extremely tight ever since. It's tighter than we've, we've ever seen it. And we always think of, like, fourth quarter as the period of time where demand outpaces supply right. and you have acute tightness. We've been in fourth quarter really since the third quarter of, of, of 2020, right? And, and it's just continued on. It's probably gotten tighter ever, you know, every quarter since. And, and so it's going gonna, it's gonna to take probably a long time to dig out of this, longer than these cycles typically occur. Because one of the challenges is demand remains strong, but capacity can't come into the space. Typically when spot rates are as high as they are, customers are willing to pay more to get capacity – you see a lot of small truckers add trucks, right? Or even right. large truckers try to add trucks. Yep. The issue is you don't have labor. You can't find labor in every industry. You can't, you can't think of an industry out there that doesn't have a challenge in labor right now. Right. right? Everyone's hiring. Yeah, yeah. Big, big and, and, and hey, our space has always had a challenge with hiring drivers, and it's even worse than, it, than it's ever been. But then you also think about equipment. Our OEMs can't build trucks. There's 50 microchips in every truck. And they can't find them. And so every day we've talked wow. to some of the leaders of, of these OEMs and it's like they got teams of people working with brokers every day to figure out how many chips they can buy. It's, we've never been in a position where we're saying we want to order this many trucks and they say, can't sorry, this is the only amount we can we can build for you. So that's led to a lot of companies keeping trucks longer, which means they're not selling them in the used equipment market, which is where right. a lot of small carriers, they... That's where they that's where they grow is by buying used trucks because right. they're a lot less expensive than new trucks. And today that because there's no supply of used trucks, the prices of what is available are extremely high. I mean, there are used trucks that are four year old trucks with four hundred and fifty thousand miles on them that are selling for what they cost brand new. Wow. Wow. And so there's a lot of small guys that Gosh. can't they can't cover that. So there's this supply challenge of even of coming into the space to to help offset where demand is. And even on the trailer front, you have trailer manufacturers that right. can't they can't build trailers, right? They can't get raw materials. It's not microchips on it, but there's raw materials, there's tires, there's wiring harnesses, there's the, the issue can be new every day of what holds that up. And so that's been one of the reasons why this call it cycle, because we always deal with cycles, is going to be elongated. And really I think twenty twenty two is kind of baked as that's gonna be we'll see strength really throughout. And then we'll see what happens in 2023. 20, that could be where you start to see the market come come back in balance. And for us, we're trying to invest in capacity, but we're doing it in maybe different ways than we have in the past, where before it's like you try to grow trucks, and that's been a, a real issue because, again, everything I, no, I noted about buying new trucks and, and labor, which is the, the biggest issue, but we're leveraging our trailer fleet more than we ever have, and that's why we're, we're seeing significant growth in logistics for most logistics companies out there, the brokers saw volumes up mid single digits year over year, four or five percent. While our volumes were up sixty percent mm. because we're approaching it differently. Yeah. We're bringing more value to the supply chain because of the drop and hook nature of what we can provide with our trailers, and then we're going to grow with intermodal as well with investing in containers. And so, you know, we're 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 built for these type of markets. I think we're a very nimble business, although we may be very large. We have very unique brands that that remain very nimble, and our departments read 
the market data. We adjust our strategy. We're always trying to anticipate right. what's coming down the road over the next six to 12 months. And we've got a lot of experience in that. And I think we'll position ourselves to, to do a great job for our customers, provide capacity where we can, but also you know, generate good margins and returns for our shareholders. What, what do you think about the ports and the problems we have right now with all of the containers <laughs> and ships out there? I know that a lot of people see the news. They see the aerial views of hundreds of ships outside every port. It seems yeah. like across the western and eastern seaboard. How do we even begin to... There's no silver bullet there. Yeah. I mean, that's a real <laughs> issue. It's a real issue. And again, I mean, demand has just outpaced what we, this, what we can do from a supply standpoint. And so, uh, you know, we've partnered with some of our customers who've, who've done some very innovative things of building some y- container yards right near the port so they can get containers in and out very quickly. It's just going to take time yeah. to work through the, the, the log jam that's, that's, that's there right now. And it's, you know, quite honestly, hasn't gotten any better. I mean, there's still a ton of ships yeah. out there, and then they yeah. push some of them out even further out yep. To, yep. to sea. Um, but, hey, we'll, we're going to work through with our, with our port team, with, you know, our, you know, our night team, SWIFT team. They all work hand-in-hand hand to try to find solutions for our customers to do what we can to, to deliver goods, especially for the holidays. Um, and we've made some good progress there, but there's, there's still a lot of backlog that will need to be worked through. And, and then I think even for our customers, having inventory on hand will be critical. Now, some of the large shippers have made a lot of progress there, but sometimes it's you have inventory, you may not have the right inventory. Some yeah, of our customers right. today are just getting their Halloween stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> we may, we might, you might see some Halloween costumes on sale here soon. So, so Christmas in July could be an actual thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so, but hey, we're, we're trying to partner with, with all of our customers to, to do the best we can to, to, to get through it. But again, there's, there's no silver bullet. Cool. Where do you see Knight Swift 5, 10, 15 years from now? 20 yeah. years. Well, 15 is anyone's guess, right? But, well, here, here's what I'd say is we are, we are investing in the diversification of our revenue. If I look back even two years ago, 80% yeah. of our revenue came from full truckload business, right? right? That'd be what Knight does, Swift does, yep. far none. We had a logistics business that was smaller, an intermodal business that was smaller that we inherited from, from Swift. We, we want probably our truckload business to be closer to 50% of what we do not because we want to shrink that we want to continue to grow and build out our our terminal network which we have plans to do but we feel there's an opportunity to grow in our logistics business very rapidly again growing with trailers so we can provide power only opportunities so we can support third-party carriers who want access to drop and hook freight and we can support them by also helping them with maintaining their equipment you know selling insurance to them getting them fuel discounts and so that allow us to grow that logistics business very quickly and it'll outpace what we do on the truckload side. And then intermodal, we've got um, some structural changes coming along with our rail partners. One we're excited about is we're, we're going to be working with the Union Pacific starting January 1st, and we think that's going to give us a great opportunity to grow that business, invest in containers. Uh, we'll provide a better service for our, our customers and be able to generate returns that um, justify investment in All that right. business. And so, again, we expect that to, to grow to a billion dollars plus. But LTL is an area that we were very excited about. We wanted to get in. We've been talking about it because 
I think we've seen this explosion in LTL freight because of just what's happened with e-commerce over the years. And, you know, the pandemic, you know, led to that, you know, evolving even further, right, or even faster. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to find an LTL company in AAA Cooper um, and, and made an acquisition this year. And then, and then just recently did another one with uh, Midwest Motor Express. And so now LTL represents, on a pro forma basis, about 14% of our revenue. And we're not done there. Our goal is to build out a nationwide LTL service. And so there's a couple pockets in the Northeast we need to cover and the Southwest that, that we still need to, to do some work on. And so as you grow LTL, as you grow intermodal, you grow logistics. And then we have some other services that I mentioned earlier, like selling insurance yeah. to small carriers, right. writing maintenance through our iron truck service network and, and, and truck sales. I mean, a lot of things that we're doing that provides kind of what we call carrier service revenue. Mm-hmm that are very different than what we do today on truckload and aren't subject to the same whims of the volatility that comes with, with, right. with truckload. So it creates less volatility in growth as well as earnings. And so that's where I see it as, as a very diversified transportation company versus being viewed as a pure full truckload player. Well, that would, I know you've got a question, but oh, go ahead. So, so on that, which I love, so when are we going to start seeing these, uh, these the street, the New York Stock Exchange, and these investment bankers and these analysts recognizing that we are more than just, just a truckload yeah. company? I think it's starting already. It's starting already. I mean, we've seen a nice lift in our stock yeah. over, yep. the, over the last uh, really six months, um, really starting with AAA Cooper. And, you know, our earnings release that we put out for third quarter, we receive, a, I do a lot of calls with analysts, so does, so does Dave and another gentleman on our team, Brad Stewart. And I'd say the, the lion's share of the questions were about these other segments. Logistics, mm-hmm. intermodal, they're scratching their head. How are you doing this? Because the way we're approaching it is so differently. And then we're talking about some of the other services we're providing, how that grows as a percentage of what we do. And that was the first time that, they were really focused on that. Usually we're having to, yeah, yeah. to talk about that, that bring path. that up yeah. as a subject. We did phenomenal in truckload, industry leading, and got very few questions about it. So the narrative is starting to turn. So it, it takes time. And so we just have to, to execute what we say we're going to do, right, which we've been doing. And now we've got to improve our, you know, grow these businesses, right. see that they see, you know, we need to show that we can do this LTL. You know, we just you know, bought two companies and we've got to figure out how they work together and, and improve margins and grow top line at the same time. And as we do that, as we demonstrate that we're living up to what we're communicating, I'm confident we'll see the stock price react. Yeah. That's cool. It's really cool. I'm excited. I can't wait for the next 10 years. Yeah. I'm excited to see where we go from there for sure. Yep. Well, um, do you want to leave us with a, Last parting, <laughs> sure, sure. Message to our drivers, yeah, and all drivers, not just night, not just Swift, or this is all trucking. Yeah, I'd say for one, I just have so much respect and gratitude for the women, the men and women who've chosen this career. I mean, it's we've never seen such a beacon of light on the supply chain, mm-hmm. you know, over the last you know, 18 months like, like we have. And I think people are recognizing the value that, 
that drivers bring to our economy, right? right? When, when you go down a grocery store aisle and see the shelves are empty, that's scary. Most of us had never experienced that. Right. I remember when I was, I, I was on vacation when really that pandemic hit mm. and we had cleared out a refrigerator before we left. <laughs> and so we were flying back and I, I didn't, I was scared. Are we going to have food? food? Are we going to be able to go to the store? And, and for, for, for these men and women to step up and go out in a very uncertain time, we didn't know a lot about COVID-19 then, but they were still willing to go out and put themselves in harm's way to deliver for our customers and really for the economy, our, you know, for, for, for America. And I'm forever in their gratitude. You know, I'm forever grateful for that. And, um, Hey, we'd love for them to work for Knight or Swift or one of our other brands, but if they choose to work for another, we respect them regardless. And Hey, we just love what they do. And, you know, our job is to support drivers the best we can that's really what we we talk about. Like yep. we're all in the everyone in the office. We're there to to make their lives as easy as possible and to to make them as successful as possible. And we have to always reiterate that to our people. For sure, yep. we agree with that statement. I know Linda Linda does. We all do, especially during that that pandemic. So so thank you for that statement, and thank you for being here with us today. If you're watching, you know that. Dave Jackson said he's wicked smart. He's also got wickedly nice hair. So if you could see this, this man who's probably in his 40s. I'm not going to guess, but I'm just going to say yeah. in his 40s. Stressful job. Look at that. It's dark. It's full. It's wonderful. Look at mine. And I don't even have near the stress this guy does. So, Adam, thank one you for being with us. One of the good things us. I got from my parents, I guess. Yeah. Great jeans yeah. right there. Yeah. Great jeans. But we, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate all of our listeners and those of you that are watching on behalf of Linda, I'm Brett. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day. Thanks. See you. Bye. We enjoyed bringing this show to you, and we hope you had fun along the way, too. We're going 1010 for now, but you can catch us on the side on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Beyond the Rig and Drive Night. Until next time, be safe out there and keep trucking.